0: welcome back everyone to the truth talks podcast i'm your host buddy boone this is the second part to the conversation that we had uh from last time listen to this and uh, let us know if you have any questions please email us at the truth talks podcast at gmail.com or you can give us a call and leave us a voicemail at 612-88-TRUTH thank you for listening and here's the second part of the conversation from last time
1: this is truth talks
0: I, I definitely agree with what you're saying here what i was more or less going down the road of is like how in history christianity has been used as a uh, a tool to change the culture overall instead of preaching the gospel to individuals and changing you know allowing god to change the individual it's been used as a cultural and the example that i can think of would be you know roman catholicism in like uh rome or you know england or something like that yeah how they use that for me that has been like a telltale sign of it not really changing the heart it's just totally. literally just changing the culture. Yeah,
1: and that's traditionalism. Going back to mm-hmm. the sermon today, yeah, where it's just an external thing, mm-hmm. where we're gonna sh- we're gonna shape society. We're gonna we're gonna change the buildings. We're gonna change mm-hmm. the way things look. Yep. But they haven't changed anything. Yep, and that's why the way the gospel works when it redeems better yet reforms a culture it does it from the inside out mm-hmm. not the outside in yeah right
0: and this is this is actually an argument towards Christianity from black people yeah because they're saying that slaves uh, slave masters used Christianity, as a way to subject these slaves so that's yeah. why they have the argument that Christianity is a white man's religion yeah. and that it's you know it, it has nothing to do with so all you would and there in uh in the Bible museum uh downtown there's yeah. this the, the the slaves bible so yeah. they take out all of the stuff that have to do with we being one uh in Christ yeah. but they leave in the part where there is like you know uh slaves be good to your masters yeah. and you know all those types of things yeah. so that's why I want, I just wanted to pull that out because what that does is that brings attention to, uh, not, it's not about the culture. It's not about who you are a part of. It really comes down to you being, uh, changed from the inside because as you're going to go in Mark chapter seven, it really has nothing to do with what's on the outside. It really all has to do with what is going on in your heart. Absolutely. Absolutely. And,
1: And that's where a a culture is changed one life at a time. Mm -hmm. That's where a community is changed one life at a time. That's where a nation is changed one life at a time. That's Mm -hmm. where a culture is changed one Mm -hmm. life at a time. That's how it works. And, uh, and uh, again, God doesn't call us to save the culture. Mm-hmm. He doesn't call us to redeem the culture. Right. right? That's not our mission. Whether well, a culture that is that is, uh, I mean, let's just take because uh, there's cultures within a culture, right? So let's just take the culture of uh, I don't know a Sin City that has its own culture, Nevada, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Vegas. Vegas, right? Let's let's take. I mean, there's a whole culture right there, mm-hmm. or Atlantic City. Years ago, I was you know lived not far from Atlantic City and. That's a mini Vegas. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that reality of you have cultures within a culture. Right. And Mm. uh, I remember even in. uh, Well, I won't even get into that, but there's there's even within cities, there's cultures that Mm -hmm. need to. And yet, uh, how are those cultures, uh, those uh, evil cultures, those dark cultures, those sinful cultures, those 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 sinful um, uh, collective ideologies that that community has embraced? Well, how are they changed? Well, there's legislation that's done. There's laws that are made. There's all kinds of stuff that happens in a community. But at the end of the day, that's external, right? You can't you can't even legislate change, right? That's external. Now that that can be used to provoke thought and even bring order. But the ultimate change happens. The ultimate change ha- happens when the gospel takes root in the heart and people, right? Mm-hmm. So take um, you see this even with uh, Philemon and Onesimus, right, in the book mm-hmm. of Philemon, right? Well, he was uh, he was in every way part of the slave culture and the part of the slave culture that stole from its master and left, mm. right? And so, and what happened? What happened? Uh, again, this, this is an interesting even discussion on slavery in general in biblical times. What does Paul do? Paul sends him back to his master, mm. but as a changed person. Hmm right mm-hmm. and what changed the gospel changed his life he mm-hmm. went from a an uh, an unbeliever to a believer he went he went from being a slave of philemon to being a slave of Christ mm-hmm. and paul says now i'm sending him back as a better slave mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and changed changed everything
0: right and so so what you're saying is social justice work is not gospel work no yeah so social the social gospel um, was one of the topics, and it's like it's it's perfect as we're talking. It's just going right to the next one. Yeah. Um. Can we kind of define social gospel? Yes. Uh, and so uh, social gospel historically. Now it gets used in different
1: ways. Now again, this is the problem with definitions and terms. They evolve. They always right? change. Yeah. So, but it, it, it's helpful to hear it historically because when you go back to, you know, the uh, you know, nineteen thirties So let, let's say um the you know the 20th century the early 20th century that's where the social gospel really comes out you said and, the early 20th century yeah early 20th century that's the you know 1930s to 1950s is really? where it's where it really starts to take root take root in uh because after World War II, there was all kinds of issues economically, right? Depression and all of that, and so you had um, you had churches, right? It it actually goes even further back than that with uh, um, with the um, oh, hold on, slipped my mind. With uh, uh, what is it? The amendment for uh, uh, bootlegging uh, prohibition. It? Prohibition. So guess who was foundational? To bringing about prohibition. The church? The church. Really? Yes. And then so they got the amendment written, right, that made uh, essentially alcohol Ill- illegal. Mm-hmm. And then guess what happened years later? They had to add another amendment making it legal because it created so many problems. And who was the driving force behind that? The church. Mm. Most people don't know that. Go back and read the history. You'll, it'll shock you, right? So that was, that was in every way. The beginnings of a social gospel that says we are here to fix society. We are here to fix our communities. We got to get involved in community endeavors and make it better. Like alcoholism, or you know, selling alcohol—that's wrong. Alcohol is a problem, and it creates all kinds of problems. I'm not denying that. Mm-hmm. But this is what we got to do. We got to legislate it. We got to we got to create laws against it. Well, they did, and what 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 birthed because of that the mafia. Right and and, and yeah. uh, underground, uh, uh, the underground the uh, underground alcoholic uh, system, which was ten times worse. And
0: my, the, my dad was actually a, a bootlegger. Yes, he, uh, he ran uh, uh, whiskey uh, moonshine from North Carolina to New York. Yeah, and
1: yeah. and they realized this is this is this is bad, and mm-hmm. so they reversed it. Anyway, so my, I just use that as a, as just a just a sliver of an illustration to show that's where churches. Then started to bring out this social gospel that's that's not a gospel at all. Mm-hmm. There is no gospel. It's not about Christ. It's about fixing the culture, or better yet, the community. Mm-hmm. Well, then you had, um, you know, uh, the Great Depression, World War II, and then you had um, you had like. Um, uh, ministries like the YMCA. Mm-hmm. You had uh, Young Life. You had all these, all these groups that came together to uh, kind of help children, to kind of help uh, boys, try to help uh, kids, and and that became a social essentially a social endeavor to try to you know they said to try to bring them the gospel but what it was was to get them off the streets that's where Sunday the whole Sunday school ministry came from was to get kids off the streets and so you had all these social endeavors and there's a number of big name uh, people that that uh, play large historically in the social gospel but that's what it became it became not so much taking the gospel to the community though there were endeavors that that were part of that it became we need to change the society and make it better more orderly more clean less quote sin and that was that became the social gospel so it literally was as i said whatever's on the front is what drives it it became all about social change Mm -hmm through the conduit of the gospel, yet the gospel was not repentance and faith in Christ because of your sin. It was all about, again, make the community better and allow Jesus to be the conduit for promoting that, and it was uh, was disastrous. And uh, so that then flows through the the middle of the 20th century, and then gets consumed into the uh, evangelical movement and the charismatic movement, and gets gets hijacked in many ways by the charismatic movement, and they twist it and turn it, and essentially use it um, in the prosperity gospel, right? And so it turns it turns on its head and becomes part of the prosperity gospel but the social gospel continued it's a continued even in uh, in the 60s then with James Cone and the black liberation theology which is a social gospel in every way which is no gospel at all because in what James Cone and black liberation theology was all about what changing your oppression, your victimhood, mm-hmm. getting freed from that. That's salvation, right? Where in the social gospel, salvation is getting out of poverty, cleaning up community, mm-hmm. right? And dealing with uh, um, the injustice of, of, of uh, inequality. Like that's the social gospel, dealing mm-hmm. with those things and bettering people's opportunities and then we sprinkle Jesus in there wherever wherever we can, right? Oh, and then and then James Cone comes in with Black Liberation Theology, and again he, you know, kind of jumps on that bandwagon. And for him, it's oppression. For him, it's victimhood. For him, it's it's all about again this utopia of uh, of uh, the black man rising up. And I mean, he became in many ways. Black Liberation Theology was absorbed by Martin Luther as well as as well as Martin uh, Luther King, Martin Luther King. Yeah, that, yeah. that Martin. Luther- yeah. Martin Luther King, as well as Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they, they each had their aspects of black liberation theology and, mm-hmm. and absorbed it for their purposes. Mm-hmm. But it, again, it was all about social change and not through redemption, not through regeneration, but through this reality of, of uh, changing the way people live through, through morals, through, you know, doing good things and becoming a good person, something that's impossible to do apart from the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so it became a, a social gospel, not built on Christ, but built on moralism. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, and so, yeah, the social gospel was never a gospel. It, it totally eviscerates the gospel, uh, the true gospel of what it is. Cause it's not about heart change. It's about community change. It's about legislation. It's about, um, even uh, cultural change, but not about heart change. It's never been about heart change. And that's what's so sad, and that's what is so, for lack of better words, so unproductive about the social gospel because it's not a gospel. It's not a gospel at all. And so, so of course, in the social justice movement, then of course, it just it continues this reality that we can change society, Uh, based upon all these externals, based upon all these outward realities, rather than bringing to society the only conduit that will bring change, which is the reality of repentant faith in Christ alone.
0: So I heard a congresswoman who will remain nameless say that the uh, system doesn't need change it needs to be completely dismantled yeah and rebuilt yep and when i heard that i was like yeah that definitely sounds like a marxist idea um to take away everything that there is and then replace it with a new system but it also reminds me of uh the the age of aquarius type of talk, yeah. you know, where they're like, well, this is going to be a brand new day. Everything is going to be completely different. The problem that I have run into so many times when it comes to all of this stuff is nobody talks about the heart. No. And are what you just said, it's like, you know, bel- you know the 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 gospel being a heart issue. Um, versus it being a cultural issue is exactly why it is so hard to pin it down, try to define it. Like, what do you mean by completely dismantle the whole – what is the system? What what system are you talking about? Yeah. And it's like – They can't. They can't do it. No. Now, what we as as believers in Jesus and followers of the scriptures, we can definitely define – Exactly what the problem is. Yeah. You know, and I have to take these words from uh John MacArthur where he says that, you know, in a time where it's so much uncertainty, you close the actual, you know, uh institution that is able to help and, you know, give That's it. truth. That's it. So it's like, man, I, I'm I'm kind of dumbfounded now that I'm thinking about it because, you know, when with, with so much uncertainty in the world and the next the next part is actually the next definition that we are actually going to pull out actually has to do with okay it's like we have the truth now we need to spread it but then there is a different way of spreading it there's a different way of of, of giving it out yeah. so yeah you are to you know you know Matthew 28 18 through 20 uh, Mark 16 15 yep. you know but then you brought up this term called evangelical feminism yeah and when i heard it i was like yeah i have no idea what that means so i really want you to like the evangelical is on the front though yeah so it's not feminist evangelicalism no you know it's the other way around so kind of give me like what that is it's like we 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 understand what the problem is we know the problem is sin in our sinful heart and we understand that the solution would be for us to well for for christ to change but for us to tell people about that change that christ can do but there's ways to do that as well yeah um so not just the social gospel you know would be a a worldly solution yeah um but evangelical feminism yeah no no that that's not that's not an option that's
1: Unbiblical. What is it? So evangelical feminism would just be those who embrace feminism who are part of the evangelical church, and there are are many, and it's growing, actually. It's growing more and more, which is sad reality. (laughs) The evangelical church would be loosely defined as the church that essentially is orthodox, right, not Roman Catholic church. Uh, you know, not, uh, you know, Seventh-day Adventist or anything like that. But the church that, you know, the, the, the church today that would hold to the fundamentals of the faith would and an understanding of the true gospel being about uh, the reality of sin and repentance and faith in Christ alone for forgiveness and justification, um, not by works, but by Christ's work alone on the cross and his resurrection, and on all of that. Like those fundamentals, those truths um, are embraced and believed. You know, Christ is the one true uh, Son of God, the only uh, Redeemer, mediator. God is, is uh, three in one. And, you know, all of these things that are core to what the Bible teaches and what we believe, you know, to... Um, uh, and again, evangelical, essentially is built off of the evangel, the gospel mm-hmm. and so uh, if you don't get the gospel right, you're not evangelical mm-hmm. you're, you're not Orthodox right you get the gospel wrong. you're unorthodox and mm-hmm. heretical right mm-hmm. and so so that term is just a very broad term that's almost kind of like fundamentals or fundamentalism years ago was' kind of the term before evangelicalism came on the scene or evangelical. Because fundamentalism lost its meaning because it got so, uh, for lack of a better word, it got so hijacked. Evangelicalism is now same thing. I said this. It's getting hijacked too. Yeah, I said this. You know, ten years ago that this term is going to become worthless, just like fundamentalism did, mm-hmm. and we're almost there, because there's so many people who claim to be evangelical who are not to where now you look at it and you can't define the term based upon the people. And so, yeah. so you it's, have to come up with a new term. That's why I often will say biblical Christianity or biblical believers
0: or whatever. The term evangelical has been used to describe Republicans. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so it's, it's, we're, we're just about to that point. And that's again, the problem with terms, but when you're dealing with feminism, these are people who, these are women by large, though there are men who would be in this category because they support the ideology, but that, um, essentially uh, do not follow the biblical teachings on the role of men and women um, in the in the home and in the church and uh, see more egalitarianism uh, rather than complementarianism. They see more of an equality across the board. So you got women pastors, things like that, or women elders, or then you have this hodgepodge of people who women that don't necessarily want to be a pastor don't want the office this is how they get around it but well, we don't want the office of of elder pastor teacher but we want the work or the mm. or the the opportunity to preach and the teach no no yeah. no we don't want the authority so so to speak of the office mm. we just want the opportunity of the pulpit right mm. that's evangelical feminism right that's, that's crazy yeah so that's again but it's all f- part of this whole critical theory it's all part of critical theory it's all yeah it's how it's,
0: how is it a part of critical theory
1: because uh how critical theory uh works with this idea uh, and of oppressor and oppressed and this idea that um um because evangelical feminism builds its case not on truth but on lived experience <laughs> mm. and basically says, yeah, we should have the same opportunity. Right. And because the Bible is really clear, right? The Bible, this is an area that, I mean, before the, uh, uh late, uh, 19th century, it wasn't even a chirp about this, about women pastors, women elders. I mean, it just, it just never came up because again, why the Bible is so clear Mm -hmm. and Titus and Timothy are clear, right? Husband of one wife. I mean, that's pretty obvious. Mm -hmm. You know, Paul says, I do not allow a woman to, uh, teach and have authority over a man. I mean, that is like crystal clear. Uh, Paul said in first Corinthians, um, uh, 11 right that that uh, just as uh, uh, uh god is the head of christ and christ is the head of the man the man is the head
0: of wife you i know, mean it, i mean it's <sighs> ironic to me that like i know women and i'll say my daughter is one of those women yeah that literally does not want the job of a pastor of course not like i don't i don't want that job it's yeah. like i don't i don't agree that a woman um I don't agree with women that want to be pastors and I don't want that job. And it's like, she doesn't see it as offensive. She doesn't see it as like, it's, it's just, you know, you're, you're trying to oppress me. It's just like God designed that in God's design. It's for the man to do that job. And that's, and that's the difference. You understand that there's a design Mm -hmm.
1: that was declared by the designer, not Mm -hmm. by the man. Right. So God declares that, and that's the difference, and that's why it's clear to her. But in evangelical feminism, that's not there. There's there's not a design. They see this in many ways as a byproduct of the fall, and uh, they see it where men and women are equal, and they'll even use Galatians 3, uh, 28, which is a total obliteration of the context of that passage, but they use it anyway. And um, so they see this where... There is no real design in this, and that it should be equal to both. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, it's it's again really sad to see that this is part of that, and and it's continuing to catch storm, and uh, and I
0: think it it, it will. And but I want to add to that: a young lady sat right there and recorded on our podcast that uh, that was not. A result of the fall that before yeah, the fall absolutely if you read if you actually read genesis chapters yeah, one and two absolutely you know the woman being and given her role it was actually before the fall
1: bible's very clear very clear nobody I heard nobody, that you like that young lady yes that sat there. I, I i do she <laughs> understands her role and yeah. she has helped me in mine without her my role would be a disaster right and she is amazing and uh and a divine gift from the lord but no, I mean, the Bible is clear. And it, it, again, nobody likes to say it, but it is crystal clear. Eve, Eve was created for Adam, mm-hmm. not Adam for Eve. Mm-hmm. And Paul says the woman was created for man. Again, nobody wants to pull that verse out, but what does that mean? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And so not in not in a form of oppression, not in a form of dictatorship. Of course, that's all sin and wrong, and we don't even need to have that discussion. Mm-hmm. If we do, then something's wrong, yeah. right? I'm just, that's what the text says mm-hmm. because that's how God designed it all the way back in Genesis, right? And uh, there's some really some serious issues today in books that are being written, but that's evangelical feminism, and that's catching storm, and that's going to continue to muddle the waters, um, because here's where it goes back to critical theory. Critical theory is a um, is a dismantling of authority, right? It's a questioning yeah. of authority. It's mm-hmm. it's an overthrow of authority. It, mm-hmm. it questions authority, and it takes out the opportunity for the one questioning authority to critique the other person, and and this is all foundational to this, and um, and in the um in the evangelical feminism, that's really what it is. It's a dismantling of the authority God has given to His church through the elders, through the home, through the husband and the father, and and it just kind of bleeds the authority out into this nebulous blob of it's in all of us kind of thing and, Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, I mean, it's just what's happening in society. Just take all the authority away. Just take the police away. And well, as as I saw the other day in somebody's proposal, you know, the 911 call system will be done by, by the community. I'm like, well, that ought to be good. You know, it's like, take, take it away, right? Mm -hmm. Take the police away and give us the authority and we'll dismantle it and, and disseminate it. And it's just like, yeah, no, it's a joke, but your other, question you brought out is actually more important and that goes back to the dissemination of the gospel and how we do that god in his commission to the church not only declares um, the mission right make disciples but he also decreed the means Mm. and that's a side of ministry that's not talked about enough Mm. he is sovereign over the mission and he's also sovereign over the means. We along, again the cultural this is another aspect of cultural Christianity thinks the mission is divinely decreed and the means are culturally sensitive. Hmm. You know what that you know what I'm saying? So the means, meaning the preaching of the word, the music, and all these things get to be more culturally worked out. Now clearly there's there is a cultural a cultural aspect to our music, right? We wouldn't deny that. Yet that's not what drives our music. It's the theology. It's the words. It's 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 not, you know, the symbols and the and the uh instruments or even the level of volume, right? Or the even the the length of the songs we sing, that's all cultural aspects where you can go to Africa and sing with them, and it's going to be different than uh, the believers in France. I can tell you that. I've sang in both, Mm -hmm. right? And yet there's cultural aspects of that that come in, and that's fine. That's diversity and unity. But what drives that is not the culture. It's the content, right? And the content, the means that God has given for his worship is crystal clear in the scripture. It is to be the word of God. Right? And that's where for this all this all this is not new. This 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 was a big deal about fifteen years ago, but it was under the auspice of this is a term that they threw around for a long time in seminaries, and it was called contextualization. It was this fancy term missional was another one and there were all these terms again were so ambiguous you needed a seminary degree to define it and then when you define you didn't even really know what it meant right but it was all the same kind of stuff you got to contextualize your ministry you got to you got to get into the inner city and you got to become like the inner city and you got to you got to be in your context yeah right and it's like no no i just gotta be faithful to the word Mm-hmm. I just got to preach the word and I got to bring sound doctrine and I got to be faithful in living a holy and godly life. And God will do what he's going to do and change the people. Right. And I don't need to try to I don't need to try to bring rap music if I'm in an inner city culture and somehow think that that's going to draw people to the gospel. No, I just need to preach the word and bring music that is just bleeding with sound doctrine in Scripture. And it's like, yeah, so it, it's that reality. So going back to your question How do we bring the gospel? Well, there are multiple avenues, but at the end of the day, it's by evangelizing, discipling, and a big part of it is baptizing, which is all part of the discipleship reality. Mm -hmm. And so it's teaching, evangelizing, baptizing, discipling, all of that. I mean, that's just crystal clear. And 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 over top all of that as an umbrella is the preaching of the word, mm-hmm. the teaching of the word, which is what we see throughout Acts as Paul goes about. That's what he does. He just constantly teaching. From house to house, which is a different setting, from the Lord's Day service in the synagogue first, and then to the Gentiles. I mean, that's what he did. That's how it spread. That's how it works. It's individual, it's corporate, it's um it's undeniable. I mean, that's what we do. And so that's the means. That doesn't change. And that's what I love about our missions philosophy and the way we work with our missionaries now. It's like we have this unified philosophy of ministry that doesn't change. I don't care if, like my friend who's planning a church in Rome that we're now supporting, it's like he's going to do the same exact thing that our dear brother is in, um, in South Africa, right? Or our brother over in Japan. They're in three different cultures, Mm -hmm. reaching three different, for lack of a better word, sects of people, Mm -hmm. right? Groupings of people, very diverse, very strange if you compare them to one another. Roman Catholics, Native uh, African Americans who are enslaved to charismatic theology and totally, um, totally introverted Japanese who want nothing who who, who are two faced and that's not meaning they're hip, hypocrites but yet they put on the the smile that all is well but inside they're mm-hmm. dealing with all that's the the Asian culture mm-hmm. the being two faced is a is a description of 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 that whole culture it's mm-hmm. really marked by deep distress and discouragement and yet you look at them and they got big smiles but inside they're falling apart mm-hmm. and it's like so. W- what do we need? We need missionaries to go with three different plans to three different groups. Right.
0: No. Because that will be disastrous because you have hundreds of exactly. thousands of cultures. And
1: that's been the that's cultural Christianity. And biblical Christianity is like, no, you go to all cultures. Matthew twenty eight. You go to all cultures, all ethnos, mm-hmm. right? All ethnicity. All every people group, you go to them with the same message, you go to them with the same method. You go there teaching and preaching the word. And as God saves, you baptize and disciple them to make lifelong followers of Christ. That's how you do it. Now, within that reality, there's all kinds of... uh, lateral movement by how you do that. You do it like Paul did. You have corporate Lord's Day services. You have house-to-house meetings. You have individual coffees. You go in. You start a business, as many people do. Start a business, and through that business, you make connections, and you disciple. I mean, there's all kinds of ways to do that by way of the logistics of it. That's absolutely fluid, but the means— is not fluid Mm -hmm. it doesn't change because god has decreed the mission as well as the means and that is huge and that that kills cultural christianity
0: now you all know all this is messing with me i I gave you the 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 story last uh last uh series of podcasts where we had talked about it being you know kind of like a dumbing down of uh you know the the whole scene from the uh the play that I was involved in where the slaves were you know they just they, they couldn't read but you know you said a whole bunch of sayings over and over again mm-hmm. uh and you know I grew up on the music the 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 black gospel music where yeah. it was some like real great truths but then there was just this reality of it just being you know just make you feel good, make you yeah. feel better and kinda like it's and it really is the blues yeah. with like, you know, they're trying to insert or sprinkle Jesus into uh those songs. So when you're saying that, all this stuff is coming to my brain. But then the other thing is that you are uh like how you would just bring rap music, like put it into like into rap music or put it into like the form of a song. Um, That it's like A feel good type of song It's like What are you saying to that person? Are you saying that you're not good enough to hear the gospel in its true form? Also, are you the one controlling? Why are you trying to control how the gospel is given to that person? Meaning like you you feel like you need to dumb it down or you need to say it in a different way because you're relying on yourself to be able to spread that instead of just doing what God has asked you to do and then relying on God to help them to understand. Totally, totally. Yeah, it's not that there's not a place for rap
1: music or country music in you know, a stylistic. If you actually mock him, he says no, there's yeah. no place for rap music. Yeah, so <laughs> I know I've seen that clip. But my point is there is styles of music and there mm-hmm. is there there it clearly is and, I mean, I can prove that from Scripture and just the reality of mu- of musical instruments, mm-hmm. right? Each musical instrument really, in many ways, comes with its own style, by way of its own tone and its own ability to create tones. Psalm 50 gives a, a, a myriad of musical instruments showing that, you know, having just a piano and a guitar is not what we see in, in Scripture, mm-hmm. right? There's cymbals, there's drums, there's all kinds of things, mm-hmm. right? And uh, because there's opportunity, to uh for diversity however there it is clear in scripture and i I was preaching on this few weeks ago that most often in scripture when worship is talked about over half the passages and there are many are really about what's not acceptable to god the bible is crystal clear most worship in the bible is rejected by god
0: Hmm.
1: yeah so while there is some some diversity uh, acceptable in style that is often driven by culture, which again is part of our diversity and, and beauty, right? And mm-hmm. I think even part of the image of God. Yet, yet there is a reality to the character of God that is always part of it, the acceptable worship of God. And it is, there's a number of them, but it is, it begins with order. Mm. God does nothing out of order and he doesn't accept anything that's disorderly. And most worship in cultural Christianity is disorderly, mm-hmm. whether it's in the music style, whether it's in the verbiage like we just read, mm-hmm. which that was nothing but disordered gobbledygook. I mean, mm-hmm. it didn't even make sense, mm-hmm. let alone appeal, uh, appeal to the to the um, to the glory of God at all. Mm-hmm. Right? That's utterly uh, utterly, of man. utterly condemned, condemnable in the sight of God by mm-hmm. way of worship, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I mean, you can put whatever music to it you want; it's going to be condemned. Why? Because of what it's saying, hmm. because of who it's pointing to. Right? And so, so you know, there is while there is some some latitude that is given there. The latitude isn't as much as people think when you study it out in Scripture. And I think uh, we need to be uh, more definitive about that and speak more clearly about uh, what is acceptable worship to the Lord because the Bible is clear. And when you see that uh, throughout Scripture, it is, it is uh, always orderly. It is always driven by humility. It is always uh, saturated in the fear of God not in the pleasure of man, Mm -hmm. and it is always, always, always driven by the Word of God, not the thoughts and emotions of man, Mm. always, and so you just take those categories right there, and you will eliminate most worship music, and most worship styles, and most worship endeavors today, and because they're just not going to be acceptable. In in the sight of God, and again, you know, I I, you know, I quoted what uh, 1 Samuel fifteen twenty two and twenty three this morning. It's like God doesn't care about empty formalism. He doesn't mm-hmm. care about external reli- rituals. It means nothing to Him. He wants the broken and contrite heart mm-hmm. that He He loves and that He will accept. So, going back to your point about redeeming, reforming, um, uh, the culture through the gospel. It's, it's not our endeavor, and it's not our calling, but it is, it is an undeniable result of our calling, mm-hmm. which is taking the gospel to the lost, mm-hmm. who, are, who then make up a lost culture. And as each lost person becomes found by God's sovereign grace, that culture begins to be changed by God's sovereign grace, one life at a time, as that person now no longer partakes in the irredeemable aspects of that culture they continue to enjoy the the blessed reality of that culture but they no longer promote those irredeemable realities and now they bring to it a redeemed reality Mm -hmm. which elevates that culture to a whole new level Mm -hmm. right and we see that around the around the globe right we see that listen listen let let there be no confusion as much as the propaganda lies keep saying that we are the worst nation that's ever walked the planet, which is an utter lie on the, <laughs> on the face of the planet of all time, our country is far from perfect. It has, it has sins and hypocrisy and evil in its history that cannot be denied, mm-hmm. including racism for many years
0: Right. That's not the word. You're supposed
1: to. Use. Yeah, I know. But it, it <laughs> connects. Right. Injustice is galore. No right. one can deny that. Mm-hmm. And they're still there. Yeah. Right. And, and on many levels. Mm-hmm. But they're not what they were. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Jim Crow and all of that. Mm-hmm. Man, come on. Right. Yet. So so you take all this trash that's being said about our nation and our nation. Again, it's we're not here to save the nation. So I've got no skin in the game. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm I'm, when it comes to patriotism, I'm patriotic towards my king Mm -hmm. and towards my land, which is heaven. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm thankful to be an American. I wouldn't want to be any other place. But I'm not dying for this. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm dying for the Lord. Mm -hmm. Right. So I've got I'm not I'm I'm not saying this as somebody who's who's got skin in, in this game. I'm just speaking truthfully. Tell me. Tell me. Why in the world do so many people want to come to this nation? Why? Because they know this is the place to be. Yeah. You, that is an undeniable fact that nobody wants to if it's as bad as everybody says. Yeah. Why do we have to fight mm-hmm. to keep them out mm-hmm. because we're going to be overrun with everybody coming here? Yep. So the reality is I think we we have to be careful not to overestimate our goodness because we don't have that our nation is filled with sin and misery and all kinds of problems and yet we have to be careful that we don't overstate our evils mm-hmm. either right and when you look at the world god has had his hand on this nation in in different ways that that we just are undeniable right mm-hmm. you just again our nation is wicked i think it's far it's far more wicked than most people realize and i i say that based upon the abortion reality sure. in some ways you know we're pushing we're pushing envelopes that nero never did mhm so i i i have a i have a different view of our nation so i'm not saying this at all with uh, skin in the game i i have a more uh what should i say a more humble view of our nation than most people realize mm-hmm. right because of what we've done in slaughtering babies as well as even racial injustices and all those things. Yet that being said, because our world is so evil, our nation continues to rise, mm-hmm. rise above, which again shows you how evil our world is mm-hmm. more than it does show you how great our nation is. Yeah. And the proof of that, again, objective proof, despite radical subjectivity, objective proof is why do so many people want to come here And they just don't want to come here, but they want to come here and become Americans. Mm -hmm. They just don't want to come here, right? They don't want to come here and bite on the system, though more and more people are doing that. Mm -hmm. People come here from all around the globe, and they will go through the effort and the work to actually change their, quote, nationality and become Americans or add it to what they already have. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, nobody's going to China and doing that. (laughs) <laughs> they can't nobody's going to <laughs> australia and doing that yeah. right nobody people don't do that yeah right they'll go to those places mm-hmm. but nobody's going there by droves and saying yeah i want to become australian right i want to no. become african yeah. right oh I, I, I mean you know i i want i want to move to zimbabwe mm-hmm. and i want to i want to change i mean who's doing that yeah nobody nobody mm-hmm. but they man they're shipping out by droves to come here even still Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's again, because, and why? Because there's a cultural reality to that. Mm-hmm. Part of our culture is very appealing to nationals because of who we are. And there's evil sides of that, but there's, there's much good that's in that. And I dare say much of that good
0: has come from the gospel in this nation for all these years. And I'm going to say something extremely controversial right now, but... I say it all the time. I am I am fortunate that I did not have to. Uh, I came here, or my what you would consider my ancestors came here. They were forced over here, but then they weren't forced out. Yeah, they were allowed to stay here. And how you feel about that is how you feel about it. But I am. I'm grateful that God's plan was that for my ancestors to come here. And now I'm here in a country where I can, uh, right now, (laughs) you know, have a podcast like this, you know, and worship in uh, a church, uh, you know, pre COVID, you know, and I definitely could have been in, you know, let's say Nigeria, where Mm -hmm. Christians are being slaughtered by Muslims, Mm -hmm. you know, or any other country where, you know, Christianity is nowhere near, like nowhere near in the culture or nobody knows about it. It is a like, you know, like my, my folks would have probably come from like a Muslim country. Mm -hmm. And I'm grateful that God's plan was for me to, be here in this particular moment. Mm-hmm. So I'm, no, I'm not going to complain and say that America is horrible. Mm-hmm. No, I, I I can say, I can honestly say that, uh, I am, <laughs> I am vile. Like, uh, like, mm-hmm. uh, like, uh, Charles Spurgeon said in his, uh, sermon on indwelling sin, behold, yeah. I am vile. Yes. But I cannot say that God's plan was vile. I cannot say that mm-hmm. because, it was completely perfect. And, um, from that, from, from, from my redemption. Now I have the duty to go out and produce Mm -hmm. those fruits, Mm -hmm. you know, because of that. So yeah, people don't want to hear that. You know what you are in America, you know, as a quote unquote black person, you are in America and you even have the freedom to say that constitutionally that you hate America. Like you have the constitutional freedom to say that, you know, but you know, it's for me, it's like you're looking at yourself and how you are oppressed instead of looking to God and saying, you know what, God, I am grateful that I am in this sphere uh, of influence. And you know, like I am actually in this culture. And now because you have done that for me, my response has to be that I'm going to try to change people and 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 to spread the gospel so that you can change their hearts. Does that make that make yeah. sense?
1: Can I can I say something even more controversial? Go ahead. Based upon what you just said, because mm-hmm. I think in many ways, and I'm glad since you're the uh, since you're the a uh, more gifted with melanin than I am. <laughs> that you brought this up, but since you brought it up, I feel free now I can run with it. Mm-hmm. But I think you summarize something very powerfully in all of this that gets to the core of the problem in in how our world, and in our world, I mean, our people are responding to this. Again, goes without saying, but I repeat, there is discrimination, injustice, inequality, all these things are real, they are awful, they are um, an abomination, the scripture says very clearly, an abomination to God, and they must be an abomination to the believer. Mm -hmm. All of that is clear, and we, I know I do as a pastor, and I know our church does, we stand against all forms of injustice, and we stand against it vehemently and tenaciously. So, and we, by God's grace, always will. And I pray we will. And any time we see it, we will expose it. We will confront it um, uh, with all that we have.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yet, I think you you touched on something, buddy. That I don't know if you hit it. If you knew you were hitting on it or not, which you, I'm sure you did. At the core of of all that we're watching, and this gets to a, I think I think really do I think it gets to a core. This is where we started. So I'm kind of bringing us back in, I think, at some level. There really is two perspectives about this whole thing. Mm -hmm. There is a selfish, man centered perspective that says, I'm not, I'm not, I don't like what I got. I don't like how I got here. I don't like what you've done for me. I don't like the system. I don't like whatever, right? Or there's the God centered perspective that says, you know what? God knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't easy, historically, looking back on it clearly for, for quote, my people,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yet this was God's plan, mm-hmm. and he is sovereign, and he is perfect, and while many have suffered under the evils of other men, mm-hmm. look at the blessing that I have been given because of XYZ. i Z. I'm going to praise the Lord. I think that gets to the heart of the way we deal with with everyday ongoing injustices in our life. Mm -hmm. That gets to the issue. And it goes back to what I preached many weeks ago. The man-centered view is victimhood. Mm. The biblical God-centered view is gratitude. Totally different. Yep. Because it's about who you're looking to. The world is looking to self, saying, I don't like this. I don't want this. we got to change this. Yep what you described was totally opposite. You're looking away from yourself into God. Mm-hmm. You're recognizing that you have many blessings that are really amazing, but you're looking at them not because of what you've been given so, to, so much as who's given it to you and you trust them. Mm-hmm. That's the issue. I think that is fundamental for not only the church, but even the world. The world can't do it, but that's what we need to show them. This is how you respond to this. And that is the core to the issue. Rather than trying, again, rather than trying to eviscerate it, and we can do that through legislation and and laws and all of those things, which we already have, and we can do more, and and I'm not against that, yet it's never going to go away. So we better yet, we equip people to deal with it, to have a biblical worldview so that they can respond to it and not be controlled by it. You're responding to it, but all the Black Lives Matter and all those people aren't responding to it, though that's what they would say they're doing. They're being controlled by it. Definitely. Massive difference. So when you're selfish, you are controlled by your emotions. Mm -hmm. When you're content or living a life of gratitude, which is synonymous, you are now responding and in many ways controlling your emotions, that's Mm -hmm. Paul in Philippians 4, I I know how to be content in all things, Mm -hmm. right, because Christ, so, so I think that really gets to the core of this, all of this, and how the church must respond, not only to discrimination and injustice, but to everything, Mm -hmm. I said it in one of my sermons at the end there, that, or somewhere along the line, I know, that I, I, I highlighted that so
0: much of what we're watching comes down to complaining, that is that is very, very that's that's the probably the most compact way that I could look at that. That's what it is. Movement. Yep. And, and, and,
1: and I don't say that to trivialize or to oversimplify because mm-hmm. I understand there's complexities and I understand there's hurts. So I'm not saying that yet at the end of the day, that's exactly what it is. And the Bible is clear that all grumbling and complaining and murmuring is sin. And how much of this movement, even Christians who are sucked into it, that's what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And yet you watch the men and women like the NBA player we were watching the other day who spoke very clearly that there is racism and injustices and all of that. And yet he's not protesting and complaining and, and grumbling he's thanking his lord and savior jesus christ because he has hope and peace yeah see totally two totally different Mm -hmm. realities that's what the gospel does Mm -hmm. the gospel changes not your circumstances but the way you see your circumstances and your ability to get through them which now comes from christ That's why we take the gospel to the lost and don't try to change the culture through social action, but we try to inundate the culture with the truth of Jesus Christ. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, that's good. Um, That is a a great way to end the podcast, I would say. And notice I said podcasts because I know (laughs) this is not just going to be one looking Uh, at the timer and and
1: we just have too much fun when we do this yeah
0: it's and you know i don't i don't even mind it i mean it's i totally forget that there's even people listening like i'm just it's just just me and you Yep, this
1: is i'm telling you this is discipleship man we're just yeah we're just wrestling yeah with all the world's problems
0: and definitely wrestling would be the best way to describe it because of the fact that it is in our nature to to, to, to be that complainer Like we Absolutely. are we it, In our heart we want to complain We want to push back because we don't like something All the while the scripture is telling us To know you need to be content With what you have And I, every time I think through this The Ethiopian eunuch is person That comes to mind Because the Ethiopian eunuch was going along And all of a sudden Philip shows up mm. And it's like I, I don't know what I'm reading And then to have Philip explain that and then I was uh, a few years ago. I was uh, in this store, and you know I'm I'm a guy that I always like to smell good. So this store, this guy, he had a bunch of oils, and I have to be careful sometimes because a lot of those guys that sell oils, like on the side of the road, yeah. they'll sit there and they'll try to talk to me about Islam, and you know, and they're just you know, come yeah. on, my, you know, bean pie, my brother. That's what they you know always yeah. they come up they come at me with. But they are definitely there to sell their wares, and I don't want to contribute to that. Yep. So this guy, I'm having a conversation with him, just talking to him, and he tells me he's a Christian. And I'm like, well, I know you're not from here. Where are you from? He's like, I'm from Ethiopia. And he was like, yeah. I was like, from Ethiopia? He's like, yeah. I was like, you go to church around here? He's like, yeah. Uh, you know, you go down here, and that's where the church is. I was like, really? that's Amharic on there. He's like, yeah, that's Amharic on, on, the, on the side. And I said, like, I thought that was, it's a big shiny dome on the church. So I thought it was like some type of Muslim church or something like that. But the way that he was talking, I thought back to the fact that that Ethiopian eunuch was learning literally from Philip and he took that back to his country. Mm-hmm. So I just imagine like years and years of passing down, you know, uh, the, 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 the parents teaching their children about that. And then in the 21st or 20th century, now I'm talking to a guy from Ethiopia, because Philip spoke to that guy that long ago. And then he went and spread the gospel where he was. I'm like, it's way bigger than me. (laughs) <laughs> take it away from that it's way bigger than me and not because that's not because i'm looking at myself it's because i'm looking at the fact that god is in control of everything that's it. absolutely it's way bigger than us but it. not in the way that they're talking no. about we are that speck yep but god knows us even as that speck so for me it was like that is humbling to actually talk to a person that was influenced by not the changing of a culture but by the changing of hearts, absolutely, you know, centuries later, that's it. Like that, completely mind blowing. That's so. I would. I that's, was. That's Matthew twenty-eight.
1: That is. That is exactly how the gospel has spread and will continue to spread, one life at a time, mm-hmm. through one church at a time, preaching the gospel and people being converted, and those people going out and evangelizing, raising godly children, and it just keeps perpetuating that's been God's plan all along. It has never been. It has never been national, mm-hmm. meaning you know change nations and and do it through national uprisings and things like that. It's never been. It's always been individual, mm-hmm. always. Since the church was established in Acts 2, it has been an individual reality, one individual at a time.
0: That's good. Yeah. Yep.
1: And that's 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 how we deal with this and that's our calling and we don't shrink from it and we don't uh, shy away from it and we don't divert from it mm-hmm. right because the world wants us to turn it into a social thing mm-hmm. it was never a social thing of course we care for the poor of course we do all that we can to make our community better and we reach out in love because of the gospel right we do that and again that doesn't even despite how passionate Matt Chandler and the social justice warriors will get about that that doesn't even need to be said that's a that's a straw man Right. To not have a desire to reach out and to love the lost and to be kind and to serve the oppressed and the downtrodden and all of those things would bring into question your Christianity, your your faith. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's again, if you're not doing that and we are doing that. But that's not the gospel. Mm. That is a result of the gospel. Mm. Because I'm changed, I love my enemy. Because I'm changed, I love my neighbor. Because I'm changed, I give of myself to everyone that I can because that's who I am in
0: Christ. Okay, i got to ask this question now. Yeah. Because what I hear all the time is, you know, people will give them their hand before you give them your heart. Yeah. So it's kind of like the whole idea of we yes, because of the the fruit of our labor, not the fruit of our labor, but the fruit of us being changed and transformed and redeemed, we are giving the yeah. doing these services and the reason why we do these services is for them to, you know, understand Christianity. So my my response to
1: that cuz it's so cliche and it's so common is why does it have to be one or the other? Mm-hmm. Why can't it be both? Like if I share the gospel without giving my heart, then am, am I really genuinely sharing the gospel? Right. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to share the the truth and love. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, we're just, we're we're First John. We're we're yeah. I know what you're gonna say. I'll, I'll get it. to it. it. But we're First John is clear. Right. We're to, we're to sh- we're to share truth in not just in word only, but in word and deed. Mm-hmm. Right. Again, it's both. You can't. Mm-hmm. Yet reality is there are many times when I don't have opportunity to share Indeed because I'm in a moment where I get to share the gospel. And it's like, well, you know what? let me come back and let me spend a week with you, loving on you and washing your car and raking your leaves and doing all these good things for you. Then you'll see how serious I am about that. And then we'll sit down and share the gospel. No, if the opportunity to share the gospel comes up, I share the gospel Mm -hmm. because that's what it's about. I'm sharing the gospel. Yes, I love the guy and I'll help him and do whatever I can, but it's not about that. Mm -hmm. It's not about helping him materially or physically or emotionally. It's about helping him spiritually, which will help him with all those things. And yes, I'll continue to help him in those other areas, but I don't need that as a doorway or a conduit. Mm-hmm. I need I need him to be open to sharing the gospel, and that's the work of the Holy Spirit, not me manipulating him with some sort of yeah. superficial love, yeah. right? And that's reality. So again... It's not a. It's not an either or. It's a both and. Hmm. And again, I think one of the greatest evangelistic passages in all the scriptures is Acts 17, when Paul is on Mars Hill, and he does not in any way sit down and try to uh, somehow become friends with them. He doesn't somehow try to. Uh, physically serve them, somehow put himself lower than them so that they will listen to him. He does not in any way. He relates to them because he knows the culture Mm -hmm. and he knows all the gods and all of that. But in minutes, in minutes, he's sharing the gospel with Mm -hmm. them and he goes right to the core. And what is it? Judgment. You're going to be judged. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you about this unnamed God. He's coming and he has been gracious, but he calls upon everyone to repent of their sin. Why? Because he's sending his son, a man, a man whom he has already appointed to be judge of all the earth and at time's coming. Therefore, he calls everyone everywhere to repent. Whoa. Mm -hmm. Paul, wait a minute. What gave you the right to do that? You haven't earned your right to teach that. (laughs) My right came from Christ who commissioned me. Mm -hmm. So again, that's a mute straw man. Yes, especially with people in your family and with your neighbor, people who you have an ongoing relationship with. Yes, you build that relationship and you build it for the purpose of sharing the gospel. But you don't you you don't uh you don't do the relationship and then then share the gospel. You're doing the relationship and sharing the gospel all together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? And so we get it we get these dichotomies and these traditions which aren't helpful, which yeah. aren't helpful at all. And so there doesn't need to be a one or the other. It's a both and, but it's it's share the gospel. And if I if I have opportunity to love on the person, then I love on them. Mm -hmm. Right. But I share the gospel in love. So, again, it's kind of a mute point. It's like, you know, of course I'm going to love the person. Of course, I'm going to be kind. Of course, I'm going to look out for their needs that are immediate right there. If I see them, I'm going to meet them. But I understand all the while their greatest need is not food and water and clothing. Their greatest need is the gospel. So what is the gospel? Yeah, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the fact that God is holy, creator of all the earth, and he has created us. He has created us to know him and to worship him and to enjoy him forever. But we as man have rebelled against God. We've turned against him because we don't want to follow God. We want to follow ourselves. Mm -hmm. We want to be God. Mm -hmm. And that rebellion and that choice of turning away from God is called sin, Sin in action, thought, and deed. We think things that are rebellious against God. We do things that are rebellious against God, and uh, we say things that are rebellious against God. Meaning, all that God has told us to do, we don't do, and all that God has told us to not do, we do do. And that is the reality of sin. And of course, it's encapsulated in Adam and Eve when they turned against God in the one command that He gave them um, in the in the one thing that he forbid them from eating the one tree, and they can find themselves right at it. They sin, and they rebelled against God, and that reality spread to all men, and therefore all have become sinners. And the result of their sin was separation from God and judgment, as we see, see them kicked out of the garden. And God promised, if you do this, you will die. And death came, separation and ultimately physical death. And as Romans chapter 5 verse 12 says, death spread not only to Adam and Eve and to their immediate offspring, but to all mankind, and therefore we all die. We are born, as Ephesians 2 says, separated from God, and as John 3 says, under the judgment of God, because we're all born sinners, and we prove that we're sinners as we grow by actively sinning and rebelling against God. If that's all that there, there was, that would be a horrible story. And God, in his own nature, does not need to do anything to save us. As a matter of fact, he would be right to judge us. But because God is gracious and merciful, loving and kind, he sends his son to save us. Save us from what? From himself. Hmm. as Romans 5 says, from the wrath of God that John 3 says is coming, that Acts 17 says is coming, that Romans 2 says is God is himself is storing up like a dam that's going to break upon all unbelievers, and rightfully so because he is holy and we are not. And so God does something that is amazing and totally different than any other religion, any other story of faith, throughout all time, God does not tell man to come to him. Every other system of belief, that's exactly what it says. I am God here. You come to me. God says, no, man, you won't come to me. Romans three, no one seeks after me. As a matter of fact, you hate me. And God says, I will come to you. It's, I mean, again, the gospel is unlike anything. And so God in his mercy now comes to earth. He comes after man in his son, sending his one and only son to earth to do what Adam could not do, obey God and he, to do what no man can do and pay the penalty that God required for man. And so Christ comes and give, and lives the perfect life so that the righteousness that God desires for man is now able to be offered up and then pays the penalty, the judgment that man deserves, he pays so that everyone who believes can get the righteousness that God demands and the penalty that man deserves. It's all taken care of. And that only comes through repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are justified by faith alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone. And that means that when we recognize that we have sinned against a holy God, we recognize that we deserve the eternal judgment of God, the Bible commands us to repent. That means turn away. That means turn to God in in utter desperation and dependence on him not turn to our own works not turn to our own pedigree not turn to our own ethnicity we turn to christ out of desperation saying save me O god a sinner there's no other option for me there's no other hope for me than you god if you will save me save me because you're my only hope because your wrath is coming and i have nothing to bring nothing because my good deeds, as Isaiah says in Isaiah 64, 6, are as filthy rags. What can I bring to you, holy God? I got nothing. It's all you or it's nothing. That is repentance, turning away from my sin, and then faith, trusting in the one that God has provided, his one and only son. Trusting in Christ alone. I throw myself upon Christ. I die to myself, as as Luke says in Luke uh, 9 I die to myself, I take up my cross, and I follow Christ. Why? Because Christ not only died, he not only lived, but he continues to live because he was was buried into the tomb as he said he would be, and three days later he rose from the grave proving that everything he said was true, proving that everything he did was accepted by God, and proving that the promise he made that if I will repent of my sins— and trust in him and him alone as my savior and lord that he will become my master i will become his slave and i will get eternal life that's not speaking of a time stamp that's speaking of a quality that i go from living in darkness to now living in light i go from being a slave of sin to being a slave of the creator of all the earth I go from having my the guilt of my sin haunt me to having the forgiveness of sins encourage me every single day, and I go now and live not in the discouragement of this temporal evil world, but in the encouragement of the eternal blessed world to come, and knowing that's where I'm heading. And death has no sting. It has no. Uh, it has no um, mastery over me. It has no. Um, in any way shackles upon me. Death is nothing more than the moving from this evil life to that glorious life. Why? Because that's what Christ did, and that's what I will do because I am in Christ. That is the glorious gospel, but that gospel only comes to those who repent and believe.
0: so i think next time what we're going to have to do is have someone with a Hammond B3 organ behind you <laughs> and really really make sure that cuz i know you didn't grow up in the black church i know you didn't grow up you grew up in a different culture i grew up in the woods but yeah so the culture <laughs> the that i grew up in they had a black they had a, a, a organ player behind you just giving you the, the chords bam bam and, and you know just 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 kinda, and then you and then you go a little higher <laughs> Oh man, that was that was good. Uh, I what? That's why I gave a little bit of a, a break in there because I'm gonna use that for yeah. for other podcasts. I that just, really I just good, need
1: but... you in the background to do that. <laughs> yeah,
0: there you go, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so many so many thoughts just came to my head. I'm gonna let's we just need to end of the podcast, man. Right? <laughs> Thank you all for tuning in. This has been the Truth Talks podcast. Uh, this is. <laughs> this is probably the fourth of the series in this actual one. I think I'm going to change it instead of it being like a, a season where we do like you know a, a certain number of podcasts. I just need to start doing series. Yeah, like we talk about a series. Yeah, we break when it up. Done, in the, yeah, we just yeah. break it up because it, the 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 issue kind of is like that, my sermons. <laughs> yeah, that's really what it is. The the problem is that there's so much to talk about sometimes, like. Like, we can talk about things, you know, uh, uh, more and more and more throughout the weeks. So, it's like, man, instead of just doing that, let's just do sections that we talk about. So, I don't know. Just thinking through that, that might be what we do. So, let me go back to the to, to the ending so I can make sure I have everything the correct way. Let me give you an idea for the next one. Go ahead. That That I think...
1: I mean, it's piggybacking in many ways off of what we're doing on Wednesday or what we've been doing. We're it's, about done. This
0: is a tease for the next podcast coming up.
1: Well, I, you're the host, man. I'm. I, I. I am. I am literally here just to encourage and support you. So, but you, to you not, have. You have the ultimate say, my friend. But, but
0: to not listen to your shepherd is bad. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I'm gonna leave that alone.
1: I'm gonna leave that alone. <laughs> yeah, you have one. You have one ultimate shepherd and. Yeah, he's the great shepherd. But the reality is in Mark 7 where we are and this reality of of the heart and sin and defilement mm-hmm. and uh, the source of all
0: that. So that might be a, that way well, we, 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 we th- like literally there is more to talk about. Cause we did talk about that a lot. And just as a side note, I have not forgotten about the last part of the indwelling sin sermon. It's just, I have been so busy. I haven't had a chance to record it. Yeah. So, um, and then I wanted to do another one. I think Jonathan Edwards has another, uh, sermon that was having to do with indwelling sin too, but it's, it's just so much stuff I want to do, and then I'm going to be doing that series on
1: church and the government yes. coming up. So that'll 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 burn. I'm very excited about yeah, that. That'll burn all kinds of uh, podcasts. So, yeah, yeah. We, again, like you always say, we
0: got nothing to talk about, man. We have absolutely nothing to talk about. I I think that I think that it, it comes to a certain point where we just stop doing the podcast, and because we don't have anything to talk about. You, you know what I love about that though? What's that? And here's why because.
1: It's all about the truth talking Mm -hmm. and the truth has a lot to say about all these things. Yes. And that's what I love about the truth of God's word.
0: Yes. And let me make sure I'm clear with the listeners. Uh, I was definitely kidding when I said uh, getting rid of the podcast. What I will do is these are just talks. Talks yeah that's what these are. These are truth talks. That's it because it's it's really not a podcast in the formal like hey, I ask him a question. he answers him, and I'm interviewing him. Yeah, it's literally just like like me having a problem basically yeah, or like a quandary and then matt says well open your bible and i'll show you where that's that's it's, that's, it's that's, your taken care that's that's what it is Dis- discipleship talks yeah discipleship <laughs> talks That yeah that's a, that's a good one who changed it like the truth talks in discipleship <laughs> i don't know well, yeah, thank you all for tuning in. If you have any questions or, or comments or snarks or conundrums, as uh, Ty Freel will say, please feel free to email us at the truth talks podcast at gmail.com. Also, uh, feel free to call us and leave us a voicemail at 612 88 truth. Uh, please don't. Uh, uh, leave us a long message but you know uh, also understand that this that your voice message may be uh, broadcast on the uh, podcast and we can do it anonymous as well so thank you all for tuning in and uh, we'll talk to you later take care thanks for tuning in to this please subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment if you have a question please send them to the at gmail gmail.com com. Visit our Instagram and Twitter at The Truth Talks Podcast and visit our website at bellcroftbiblechurch.org. Delighting in the Word that we might walk in the truth. A Ministry of Belcroft Bible Church.